No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Drama and Forensics League. I still have the trophies, so... Drama and Forensics? Yeah. That's a thing that they put together. Yeah, no, it's not what you think. Forensics is like another term for theater. Oh, yeah. Is it? Heard, heard it so many times. Oh, I do for Forensics. I will look it up right now. I don't care for you Okay. Welcome. My name is Alexa. Uh, Twice-ranked improv champion of New Jersey. Ranked what? Last? Ooh. 50 times ranked strongest woman in the world. Yeah. We're working on a uh, solar system. Generation we'll flex. And across from me is... Ben the Scuzzy. Ben, ben the Beardo. Scuzzdo. That's what they call me. He's really coming back. Yeah. Uh, strong. All it takes is a little bit of not shaving and a whole lot of self-hatred. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of will it out? Yeah, exactly. I'm not even trimming my mustache anymore. Yeah. yeah fuck it. You get yeah. up. My family's left me. They will talk to me. <laughs> and to my right, Dick Fetty. Okay. It's never as fun as I want it to be. Yeah. It doesn't need to be fun. I'm not here for laughs. I want my name to be Spaghetti. I want my name to be Dick Fetty. All right. So we got a fun topic tonight. Kind of back to our old grind after um, two weeks of finished noise. Mm, is that what we did? I blacked out. Yeah. Yeah. Easily our highest, mo- most listened to, highest strength episodes. Is that true? Got, got all the likes now. I think the incels. Still. The one that I hosted. Champion, yeah. And did all the research for. Your yeah. topical topic. Oh, it's so timely. Yeah. That's no, really great. You did a great job. Yeah. So, yeah, we were rewarded with, with uh, so many lessons. Thank you, guys. We are in the millions now, and yeah. it just keeps yeah. climbing. It just keeps And climbing. it's not just because we have Alexa, who's the Morgan Webb of our podcast. Yeah, Morgan Webb. Is that a porn star? No, she was a very yeah. attractive woman on G4, which was a And on Tech TV prior to G4. Yeah. She was on X-Play. She was a host of a show with Adam Sussler, who was balding. And wasn't he like a meth head? I think so. I think Keanu's a meth head later. Yeah. He does, d- didn't shock me. Or an alcoholic. I think he put on a bunch of weight. Maybe it was all three. And it, was, it was terrifying. What we're yeah, saying Morgan is... Morgan Webb was so hot. She was every 13-year-old's crush until nice. still now. Yeah, and what we're saying is you're attractive and our viewers are shallow. Yeah. yeah. They don't really know what I look like, though. There is that one picture. Yeah, but my eyes are blanked out. 
No, 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 not that one. The one that Frank sent me that uh, whoever uh, emails us at motelhealthpodcast at gmail.com yeah. will be sent. Yeah. What? Yeah, what? It's, it's you, it just says Motel Hell Slut, and then it's you nude. No, it's not. What? No. Are what? you making this up? Yeah. All of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought that someone had anonymously, uh, anonymously sent a picture of me to that email account. No, like, no, no. I know who No, she they is. definitely don't, like, like email us and, like, then we send them the picture. That's oh, right, definitely right, not. right, yeah. Right. It's way more of a sock. Is that situation. why we're getting more listens? Are you guys doling out nudes with me? No. no I'm not doling. Yeah. Doling no. is strong. <laughs> Selectively <laughs> sending. There may or may not be a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Distributing. Find her dirty panties. Yeah. It all starts with giving us a five-star written review on iTunes. I don't yeah. like this. And from there, you get entered into the drawing. And I don't... My underwear is big and not attractive. So, unless the listeners are into that. Have you been on the internet? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well. Movie? Yeah, let's start with the movie. Let's start with it. So, uh, this this week's episode, the format's a little different. We didn't have time to uh, indulge in a film prior to the episode, or, well, right before it. Uh, I thought we weren't going to tell them that. I don't know, we're, we're telling. Trick them. Yeah, kiss and tell. We're all about honesty here at Motel Hill. Yeah, yeah, so Ben and I watched The Night Train Murders, a.k.a. Last Stop on the Night Train, the 1975 rape revenge flick by Aldo Lotto. Mm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you got? What are your thoughts? I want to watch it again. Mm. I. It was very late. <laughs> and it. I thought it was very good, but... I, I seem to be drawn to any horror movie or horror-esque movie that's Italian. from either Italian or from like 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, it's like 40 years ago now. Yeah, so I liked it. Um, it was quite slow for a while, but pretty interesting, and then it kind of ramped up really quickly. They referred to it on oh, the wait. box. Okay, I'm sorry, let's, go ahead. Yeah, let's not say that. So. If you're if you're gonna watch, if you have any interest in this movie, stop here. Don't listen to the rest of our review of it because we're gonna spoil some stuff. So heads up, go, go on. So they refer to it as the Italian Last House on the Left. Now, have you ever? Seen I've never seen. Okay. Yeah. Last House. So we're gonna spoil it a little bit for her, but it's when you see that movie, I kind of knew what was gonna happen, and it was still really. Should good. I plug my ears? It's up to you if you want to see us. La, 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 la. Yeah, don't don't do that. You can't do that. No. Anyways, it was. It it. I mean, it was. It, it went from zero to sixty super quick. Well, super slow, but then when it went, it was like it was in like five miles an hour. The whole it was like train speed, but like yeah, a slow train. All of a sudden, there's there's a hand job happening. You're like, okay, things are starting to move. We're we're probably gonna get to all these murders on the train, and then all of a sudden, there's a man being forced to rape a woman. Yeah. And then, and then it just goes fucking punk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there was. So two young girls are going from uh, what was it, Munich, I think, to, uh, to somewhere in Italy. Italy, yeah. And they, they, they wind up on a train, and then the train's getting searched by the Germans, and they jump on the next train because there's like these creepy guys on the train that they're on. And the one guy, like, kind of sort of rapes this woman, but then she gets into it, and then it's, like, way less rapey and just, like, consensual sex. And, uh, and, and then they jump on the same train as them when they think they're safe. But the train they jump on is, like, completely empty and, like, a scary ghost train, and we're like, is this gonna be a ghost train movie? And then it was, it was just a rape train. Uh, yeah, and for, like, for a good ten minutes, I was like, are they the red herring? Are these creepy dudes actually gonna get murdered? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it was, uh, it, it, it went, it, it kicked up several notches and was definitely the kind of movie that if, you know, if the person you're watching it with doesn't care for, for rapey films, then probably not a go-to one. But it was, it was uh, substantially sleazy. I thought it was well done overall. I also was falling in and out of sleep in the last half an hour when they got to the, the climax, um, the second climax, rather. As one does to get sleepy during the second climax. <laughs> Zing. That's 30, but, uh, yeah. Um, I personally don't think it's fair to uh, compare it to Last House on the Left, because they are different movies. There's very similar plot points. Well, I think it's a totally but, fair comparison, but it's fair to say also that it's a different... Right, but, like, I want to view them as, like, two separate entities, because yeah. me personally, I prefer the end to Last House on the Left. Yeah, but that's a great fucking movie. Right, but... If I never even thought of Last House on the Left, if the bots didn't say it, I would have just been like, oh, this is a good movie, and not try to compare it to it at all, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, no, it, it definitely would have been a little bit better in that way, but yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. One of the cool things about it was the, the German psychic, or like, I think she's actually Hungarian or something, in Deep Red is the main female, uh, who's not one of, yeah, villain. She's a villain, uh, and, and, I like her. I haven't seen her in a ton of stuff, but she's interesting looking, and she does her role, role well. It reminds me, there are parts that remind me a little bit of Solo. Uh, it has this libertine philosophy in parts of it that's gets out of hand. Um, I think it's mostly her that does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she eggs on, like, they're want to be bad boys. Yeah, no, but it was in, in... There's this scene in Solo where this woman's talking about, like, all the time she was... I forget if she was, like, I think it was partially raped, but also, like, she was sold into sex slavery as a kid and stuff and all the things that she did, and she's, like, recounting it in this lustful way for all these little kids, and it reminded me a little bit of that, which is cool. So, I thought it was it was good. I had it on my shelf for years. My buddy got it for me at a pawn shop, brand new, for, like, two bucks, and it's a good get. It's a good get. Yeah, I'm going to have to start trolling, like, random shitty little stores just to pick up movies I've never heard of for $2. I know, I do there is one scene I want to bring up, which I actually explained uh, to somebody the, else. The dude who was in the window? No, 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 no. Um, at one point, one of one of the bad boys just gives this blank look on his face, just stands up, oh. and walks out of the train compartment to go do heroin. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the same look you get when you realize, like, you're hanging out with people, and you're, you're sitting there, and you realize, oh, I got a shit. Yeah. But you don't want to say that out loud, so your face just kind of goes blank. And then you Start quietly sweating. leave the room. Yeah. Start sweating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it was a pretty accurate Super depiction. funny and like really wedged in there. Like it wasn't necessary to the plot or the character building at yeah, all. I mean, yeah. But like it was a nice little like, it was funny. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, what's the rating? Uh, give it a 3.5. I'd agree with that. Out of 5? Yeah. We're back down to a 5 point We're scale. We're doing a 5 point scale. Yep. 7 out of 10. Net, next week it might be um, seven point scale. Watch alone, watch with a friend, skip it. We don't know, you know. We might. We're ever evolving, is what okay. I'm saying. So seven out of ten. Sure. Ben. Three point five out of five. No. Why yeah. not? We just. You can have that. Okay. Why can't I have sure. that? You didn't see the movie. You can't. See I that. didn't I see the movie. Anything. I just. <laughs> You know, I definitely think it's way more of a three point five than it is a seven. Consistency is key, you guys. Six point five. Alright, fine. Six point five out of five. Sounds great. Two bushels out of twenty bundles. 
Listen, I'm not a... I'm hey, not, not a, a meteorologist. Yeah. Right. I'm not a I'm man done. who knows Put things about stuff. It. I think it's time for Dick Fetty's Disco Bob! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is it? Wow. I tried to do it, I can't. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so I'm all over the map with my disco box. Uh, the first one I want to bring up, it's just been, it's, it's appropriate music for this hot summer season, the constant sweating, and it's really good when you're cleaning the apartment for two to three hours at a time. Enya. Enya. I yep. wish. Obviously. No, it's Sarah McLaughlin. No, <laughs> it's Three Six Mafia's Mystic Styles. Their mm. seminal first album, much imitated, much loved, and wildly celebrated now, 23 years later. And yes, this is the second time they made it into your disco box. Well, I fucking love Three Six Mafia. Yeah, so, and I mean, Three Six Mafia and Wu Tang Clan are like the two classic rap artists that all white people love. Tupac and Biggie also being up there. But I think if you're going for something like a little bit more, I smoke weed and I'm a college freshman. Like those are the, the two, at least when I was growing up, that everybody uh, appreciated. And yeah, Mystic Styles wasn't actually my first favorite 3-6 Mafia album, it was When the Smoke Clears, which I've previously reviewed, which is their initial crunk album, or more crunk styled. Still had a little bit of the horrorcore, but Mystic Styles is the product of 1994 to 95. The production style, it, it basically sounds like an hour-long carnival ride in a, in a terrifying, like, melting carnival, and you're on a bunch of PCP. And the the synths and the the programming generally in it all have this like warbly, just looping kind of a style to it that really works. Everybody who's on it, Gangsta Boo, Project Pad, DJ Paul, Juicy J, Lord Infamous, Koopstanika, like all the you know the the essential. When Three Six Mafia was at its peak and had all of its good members, they're all here. They're they're all dropping some of the best verses they ever do, and most of the songs are pretty slow, so. They can double time their their rhymes on top of the beats, or they can go slow with it. But it just it oozes bad intentions and negative vibes. It's essentially you know has this element of power electronics or black metal, especially because it has way more satanic imagery and and, and both the the sound itself, but in the lyrics, there's like a ton of satanic shit, and um, you know it. it has a lot of crossover appeal more than other rap albums and it's also the only horrorcore album to my taste that doesn't suck it's mm. grave diggers is okay but they're like kind of a joke whereas three six mafia are dead serious and there's two killer tracks on here i mean they're all good okay three there's sweet robbery which is along with play hate is the single best three six mafia song of all time it is just endlessly good it's got this uh sample of a laugh in it that i don't know if it's from mortal kombat but it sounds like the stock laugh sound you hear in mortal kombat when you're in, like the fight sometimes mm -hmm. like there's like the whoopsie and there's like, a laugh and some other stuff and that's that's in that song the, the fucking yeah that track is sick and then there's gotta touch them which I really, really like, which is all about robbing people. Uh, and that, the other thing to mention, all their songs are about robbing people, killing people, robbing people again, doing drugs, or having sex. And on the last one, the last song on the album, Porno Movie, is like this just 
sleazy fucking like back job, back alley, blow job soundtrack that's like, oh man, so good. Like definitely peep show booth material. So yeah, that'd be my first recommendation. That album is killer. They did a re-release in 2015 on uh, Blood Red Vinyl that I have that's quite nice and sounds really good. Uh, along the same lines, totally different genre, but like very similar vibe, very good for this hot weather. Is Mortician's Chainsaw Dismemberment, their seminal second album. In many ways, I kind of prefer it to Hacked Up for Barbecue. It The songs are a little bit, the album's a little bit tighter. There are less songs on it. All the songs are really good. There's some repeated motifs. It starts with a, a track sampling, um, When a Stranger Calls, and it ends with a track sampling, the Phantasm series. So that's awesome. But it's got, just like everything on it is, is great. And the production is still really gritty where the bass just sounds like some kind of distorted electrical noise and not even a guitar and the guitars are all just, you know, it's mortician. It's the classic chugging riffs and then fast riffs and then chugging riffs again. And Will Raymer's vocals just sound like And they do. And uh, yeah. Sounds like you're talking to a big dog. It's awesome. And then the drum machine is, you know, relentless and never ending. It is, I've, I've heard recently, I read some article maybe last year where they're comparing mortician to drone music in the sense of when you let it envelop you, it just sort of takes you to this different place and puts in this kind of hypnotic trance. And I would say that's true to a point. I like all mortician's uh, four main albums. Chainsaw Dismemberment's probably my favorite, but sometimes I like uh, Domain of Death. Sometimes I like Hacked Up for Barbecue more. kind of switches all around. The fourth one is good, but not as good as the other three. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to definitely recommend that. I know it's supposed to be re-released again on Hell's Headbangers, I think, this year. So don't pay those inflated prices on Discogs and eBay for a vinyl copy. Just wait a little bit longer, and it should be yours. And then my third one's completely different. Uh, I want to recommend the double album by Dirty Beaches called Drifters slash Love is the Devil. And this is really weird music and was very different than what I expected even though I knew it was going to be weird and the guy who makes it is he's like Chinese or Taiwanese and a bunch of other stuff and he's sort of a world traveler and he makes this it all sounds like it's recorded on a shitty boombox with like a shitty microphone plugged into its shitty tape deck it's all like very distant and broken and lo-fi and I, I presume he uses a four track but it's like you can use a four track recorder to make some pretty good sounding stuff this all sounds super just like gritty and dirty beaches is like the perfect name for it and uh it's kind of at times it reminds me of chris isaacs like the vibe not the sounds but it has a very much 70s and 80s David Lynch Wild at Heart feel it basically is like and should be the soundtrack to Wild at Heart and it's not shocking to me that he was involved with some of the music for the Twin Peaks uh, new series that came out last year and it's a really good album it, it goes between his more mainstream sounding songs that are still pretty weird but are definitely like nighttime driving in the desert in like a 57 Cadillac uh, and then into these way more drifty spooky ambient lots of like uh, kind of avant-garde sax free jazz type of stuff mixed in with this decayed but but not in an industrial way just very unique atmosphere um, an album that I've really come to enjoy but it takes a while to kind of get into and his, his album before that's really good I think it's King of the Highway 
but this is sort of the seminal statement. It's um, and each disc is has its a very unique character and is is the first one's more of the mainstream, the second's more of the chill, but they're both really good. So yeah, those are my three recommendations. Oh yeah, I love I like Dirty Beaches a lot. I think if that's we won't judge you for, for enjoying a beach that's not up to snuff. That's fine. Yeah, it's like what I would think. Yeah. If there are beaches in Hong Kong, it's what I imagine they look like. It's just go to just just go to the Jersey Shore. Yeah, but it's not. It's way more. It's this mixture of the gritty neon lights and rain-soaked filth of the original Blade Runner with something very David Lynch. Mm-hmm. It's really. It's a really cool vibe. And the Jersey Shore just. That's a different. Where are all these dogs, masters? I don't think those dogs have masters, Charlie. <laughs> So yeah, that's the disco box. Great job. That's good. I like the disco box noise. Yeah, it fucking tears my throat. <laughs> I love like the Necronomicon. Yeah. From Evil Dead. All right, so what are we doing tonight, guys? We're having a three-way. No, that's not what of we're knowledge. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. In some yeah. sense, I guess we are. Yeah. We are doing. Unsolved. Murder. Murder. Murder most foul. Yeah, so we each got a different unsolved murder. We both, we all did research and we're going to present it to you as is the custom. Mine's actually not that foul. It has a happy ending. It's a murder. With a happy ending. Thanks. There's no happy ending. Oh. Gotcha. Remember the first episode we did where for the weird news where I was like the guy thought his son was dead and then it turned out he wasn't. And you thought that was bad? And I thought it was sad and you guys were like that's happy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Who wants to start? I mean do you guys want me to start? You're both looking at me. I can go. I'll go. You You can go. Mine's quick. Oh okay. So my murder is of Little Rock, Arkansas sweetheart, Ebby Stepik. Oh, Ebby. Yeah. So it was interesting. I went to a couple different sources to look up something interesting but minor. I didn't want to go into anything that was too, too crazy with conspiracy theories and all the rest. So on Reddit's Unsolved Mysteries, I found mention of this 18-year-old from Little Rock, Arkansas, <laughs> who went missing a couple years ago. And thought, okay, and then I saw a picture of her and I was like, she's so cute, how is it that she's possibly missing and murdered and not like way more national news, how have I never heard of this? So, Ebby Stepik was last seen on October 24th, 2015. She was last spoken to, is that the way to put it? She last spoke to her brother on the 25th of October, but she hasn't been seen since the 24th until recently, but I'm going to get to that. Um, And yeah, she was 18, so it's not like a minor abduction kind of a thing. And basically she called her brother and said, and sounded disoriented, said she was lost, and then hung up. Essentially, she wouldn't say who she was with or where she was going or what was going on, and disappeared. That's creepy. Yes. And was dis... Was disappeared until this past May. So for two and a half years, they didn't oh. know where she was. She's dead, though. So, oh. spoiler alert, yeah. it is a murder. She is definitely dead. 
Oh, I thought you were just doing a really cool, like, pronounced dead missing persons case. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> no, so there's, there's really not a lot to say. I read a lot of news reports from 2015 when it was happening. I read some of the articles more recently before she was, her remains were discovered, and then I watched an interview with her mom, watched a couple other news videos, and read some articles about what's happened since. And basically, the long and the short of it is, she, as she was getting into her senior year of high school, she switched schools, and she started to change her behavior. She used to be this lovely, bubbly, young girl, blah, 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 and I guess she was entering into a late-stage teenage rebellion to a little bit of a point, but she moved in with her brother, her parents are divorced, her mother's remarried, got a whole new group of friends, started working at Foot Locker, which one of the articles I read made like a big deal about like the undesirables that went to Foot Locker and the ones that she hung out with and whatever. Uh, that it's, sounds like cloaked racism. Yeah, yeah, well it's Arkansas. And it was Do a, you have the new Jordans? If you don't, I'm a stab you. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was interesting. But the, the thing that I want to note the most about this is there's very little detail because the police files are not public because the investigation is kind of ongoing. It's it's a cold case, but they're still investigating. But there's not a lot, and you know, I don't even have a specific what exactly she said to her brother the last time he spoke to her. There's just like summations of it. So I was a little frustrated because having read lots of articles about serial killers and this, that, and the other, you know, you get like tons of information yeah. if you go looking for it. This was regurgitation of the same five sentences put over four pages over and over and over again. Right. Um, so. Basically, when she went missing, her parents told the police, and I think it was about the same day, if not the next, when she didn't show, because she was supposed to meet her stepfather, and then she never showed to wherever she was going to meet him, and the cops didn't take it seriously. They're like, oh, she probably ran off, or she's out partying or whatever, she's 18, like, there's not much we can do, and they didn't really do shit, yeah. is the impression that I got from the news reports at the time, and then the ones after they found their remains. So they found her car a few days later, and they found her uh, belongings, her cell phone, her contact lenses, I think her purse were all uh, in the car, and it was in West Little Rock off the Chinel Parkway near a sort of sewage treatment or water treatment plant. It wasn't exactly clear from the reports, but they still didn't have any leads, and they didn't really do much. There were some theories that maybe she got abducted and was put into sex trafficking or something else happened, but at some point it came out that she told her brother, I think on the night of the 24th when she came home, that she had been raped by four guys and that, uh, but then it also says in the reports that she was raped by one guy, two guys watched, and the, and the fourth guy filmed it. But there's no more details as to that. So they were like, were these guys the ones that killed her? You know, was she gonna, because it sounded like she was going to tell the police and that her brother urged her to tell somebody and deal with this if this is what happened. But supposedly they were investigated, the four boys, and cleared. But that all happened before they found her remains. Right. So, again, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a ton was done. They put up a billboard for two years that the family eventually took down. They started a Facebook group. They had, um, I think they've started a little foundation. Her mom is seemingly well-to-do and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's what I'm not being articulate. Mm -hmm. And 
in the interview I watched with her, it was interesting because she talked very lovingly about her daughter and talked about, you know, the stuff they had done to try to make other, bring light to other cases that were like this where women or children had gone missing right. and were cold cases and whatever. But it was also amazing to me in the interview I watched, which was after her remains had been discovered, the interviewer like took seeming delight in asking her about, uh, asking her painful questions that obviously would elicit nothing but a painful response yeah. from the mom. And what I generally got from this story was, it was surprising to me that being the, the attractive 18 year old that she was, uh, and white girl at that, that it wasn't more national news, but they still made it into this victim pornography, for lack of a better word, throughout the course of the news articles and whatever. And it's it's interesting to me the way, the role people take once they've disappeared, been murdered, turned to victims or whatever. Like they become symbols for so much more that like, I don't know Evie, I don't know that she was all this great or whatever. Not to say that she, you know, whatever happened, she deserved. But it was it was interesting to me that Not everybody gets canonized. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to put it. So the big twist came in May of this year. M Night Shyamalan showed up and made a movie about <laughs> it's it. It's a twist. Okay, so in I believe it was May 29th or a couple of days before that in 2018, they finally found her remains, and where they found them was like. I can't get a specific number, but it sounds like 200 feet from her car. Yeah. So, wow. she was in a drain pipe. I have pictures of said hole leading into drain So, pipe. nobody really looked nobody that hard. Looked. So, allegedly, this is this is the story. So, her friend, her friend from before she started to change and whatever, said that when she went missing, they went out there. Her and her mother went to where the car was found after the car was found a couple weeks later and they smelled decomposition and alerted the authorities. And then they got the whole runaround of like, they got put on hold and then somebody else was transferred to, you know, they got transferred to a bunch of people. They had the name of the detective that was supposed to be working the case and the guy never got back to them. And finally, hours later, the cops show up, they looked around, they didn't see anything and they said, you know, we don't see anything, we don't think she's here. Now, it's my understanding that it's a sewage treatment or water treatment plant, so, they said that they didn't smell anything because, like, what they didn't smell decomposition, they smelled shit or yeah. sewage or whatever. And they brought the dogs to the location, the cadaver dogs, they call them, which is a fucking awesome band yeah. name. And um, they, the dogs didn't find anything. But basically what looks like it happened, she was either, she either crawled into the pipe, although they don't think that's really what happened, or she was shoved into the pipe, but it's a really long pipe with only one entrance on one side, and I think it sounds like there's a manhole entrance on the other, yeah. but it's not really, doesn't make a ton of sense as to how she got wedged into the back of the, the other end of this pipe, yeah. because it wasn't close to the entrance. So they're not really entirely sure. They're still treating it as a homicide. Um, but there's a theory that she was on drugs and that she like tried to get in there to protect herself and then got stuck down there and then died and then started decomposing, but they don't really Which know. Which happens when you die. Yeah, right, but it doesn't happen in two weeks, so I don't really believe that the women smell decomposition. I wouldn't think it would be that quick. I think It, it depends on weather. Like, if it was during, yeah, if it's during it was the winter. The fall. It was a late fall. Yeah. In Arkansas, it's probably hotter, but, you know, anyways, it's hard to say, and I, don't, I just don't know that 
you know, we all think we have higher sensing abilities than we really right. do. It's just like memory. We're all sure we know what we remember and, and half the time we're wrong. But needless to say, the case has been, uh, you know, reopened. Still, It's still like, I guess it's a cold case, but they're renewing their investigations too simultaneously. There's a guy who used to be a cop on the Little Rock Force who's now a private detective and has been working the case for the family for like a year and a half. And he says that there's a lot of things that the Little Rock Police Department didn't do right and blah, 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 which is probably true, but I don't think we're really any closer to finding out what happens. Uh, the research that I've done, uh, pretty much, not even the case I'm going to talk about, but like a few of the other cases I was looking into, mm -hmm. like some of the more modern stuff, because there was some other stuff that was much, much older, but um, anytime there's an unsolved murder, it's always the police fault. Whether or not that's true, but people are always going to blame the police. Yeah, well, they are the ones looking. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, two hundred feet from the car, bit of an oversight. Yeah. yeah. So they said that basically they came back on a gut instinct to check the area, and then they used cameras and some other stuff to sort of check this pipe, and then they noticed some obstructions in it. It sounded like some kind of like radar, sonar to a point two to detect what was in there. And then they like went all the way to the end and found her remains. But I, I don't have any report on what her remains showed, if anything, as far as cause of death or any other really new information. And the only other interesting thing in the story was there was a false sighting of Abby in March of this year that her mother thought she was, you know, having been sex trafficked and was elsewhere, but yeah. it turned out not to be her. So it's a sad story. I mean, you know, family lost their daughter yeah. and friends lost and whatever. But it was it, it. What I took away from it more than anything was it was it was very interesting to watch. I don't only watch like news stuff or interviews with people close to the people and all that shit. And just I didn't get the impression that anybody was necessarily hamming it up. But they're all getting their fifteen minutes, whether they want it or not. And I'm sure they'd probably rather have their friend back, most likely. But I also think that you know, at a certain point, it's like that's a terrible thing. But you can't like make the rest of your identity based on you looking for your dead friend who wasn't even really your friend by the time she died, you know? Yeah. It's just a... It was an interesting thing to me to watch to watch that stuff. Seeing interviews with anybody who has any connection to any kind of murder case, especially unsolved ones, are very interesting to me. Because I, I... You've probably seen it. Have you ever seen Paradise Lost? Mm -hmm. You've seen Paradise Lost? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a scene where they're interviewing one of the... Um, boy's mother, mothers, and uh, she seems just super stoked that she's about to be on, just like, oh my god, I'm gonna be on TV! Well, and they, those people were. I mean, and, and it's funny because that was, they were, what, West Memphis? And yeah. Was it, it wasn't Little Rock, though, was it? Was it, uh... I don't remember the exact town. Yeah, so... I know it was like Robin Hood Lake or something, or yeah. Rob, the Robin Hood Woods or something. They found it. Lost a documentary. Yeah, it's a three-part documentary yeah, about the West over, Memphis, and then they did West of uh, Memphis, which was the follow-up that was made by a different person. Yeah, it was famous because Metallica got involved, although, anyways, but Satanic Panic. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. 90s. A bunch of young boys got murdered, and there were some theories and stuff. In the 90s, it was the Satanic Panic from the 90s. Yeah. So on it. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that's all I got. Very so good. I will I will provide an updated report. I'm trying to keep a little bit of a tab on this for our listeners and just for my own interest to see what happens, what comes yeah. up. But um, yeah, Abby Sepik, rest in power.
so mine's a bit interesting because it's 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 like sort of solved, but never really will technically be solved. Mm. And the way I got turned on to this uh, case was, I guess that's a poor um, choice of words. Anyway, so I kind of heard about this case from one of my favorite websites, Ranker, albeit now that I look more into it, I don't necessarily trust everything they say anymore. What, on Ranker? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I would call it a academic source of information. No, it's not, but a lot of the time I... It's a good... They're, they're, they have pretty good information um, as far as it being correct for the most part. And it's a good gateway site. Yeah, it's like a, it's like Wikipedia. Like it's a step. It's it's like Wikipedia for people who only have time to read something while they're taking a quick shit. Nice. But the reason I got turned on to this is because it mentioned a movie which I remember enjoying, but I can't honestly say that I do because I haven't seen it in many years. But they they claim that this case is used as the basis for the movie The Strangers. Now, I found interviews with the director, and he said it, he got the idea from the Sharon Tate murders. So I don't think that's actually true, that the filmmaker based it on this. But there are a few parallels, like people were murdered in the woods. Yeah. I feel like that's a tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah, right? Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the murder. So this all took place on April 11th, 1981. 36-year-old uh, Glenna Sue Sharp, her 15-year-old son John, and his 17-year-old friend Dana Wingate, which took me a while to figure out, but Dana's a dude, oh. were murdered in Cabin 28 in the Ketty Resort in Ketty, California. North, south, east, west? Dick Fetty, it was in Northeast California. Interesting. Yes, quite interesting. Continue, please. Um, and then later they discovered that 12-year-old Tina Sharp was missing, who was also in the cabin at the time oh. of the murder. How did they not realize that right away? Oh, we'll get there. Okay. So, Sue and her five children, John, Sheila, Tina, and Ricky, um, John being 15, Sheila being 14, Tina being 12, and Ricky being 10, and then there was little five-year-old Greg. They moved there... Uh, to Ketty from Quincy. Not too far away, that I just saw on the map. Yes. And this Quincy, was... Quincy's a town in, uh, I believe, the second Fallout too. The second Fallout game. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. Quincy's also often the name of an old black man. So we're all learning things. I don't know that I can <laughs> argue with that one way or the other. I, um, Quincy Jones? Yeah? Who's that? Quincy Jones. He's a guy who does... He's Rashida Jones' dad. That guy. Is he a jazz guy? Mm -hmm. I bet he's a jazz guy. I don't know. That's... I feel like we're all being racist right now. No, no. Ahead. Quincy just sounds like a jazz person name. Why, yeah. why are you throwing me under the bus? Anyway, this was all five months prior to the murders. So, the night of April 11th, uh, Sue said that Ricky and Greg could have their 12-year-old friend... Justin Easton over to spend the night. Mm. I mean, okay. Cool. Yeah. Justin had recently moved to Ketty to live with his father, I'm sorry, his mother and stepfather, Marilyn and Martin Smart. 
because there's two T's in the last name. Smart. Don't know why. Extra yeah, smart. smart. So, as I stated, the Smarts lived in Cabin 26, which was very close to the Sharps Cabin. So, I'm sorry, you said that's why I highlighted, and you literally highlighted every sentence on that page. <laughs> How is that highlighting? Woo! I just know where the highlighter takes me. Move ahead, move ahead, sorry. Anyway, Dick Fetty's just over here highlighting nothing. Shaving his legs with a knife. That's how you we get down see, and look to Oh, it's kind of like... I'm sorry. You and Dick Fetty are doing the same thing. Whereas he highlights nothing, you highlight everything. They're in rendering the highlight. You not says. everything's highlighted. Okay. Alright. Do you not want to know about this murder? No, Is that ahead. it? He skips no. his conjunctions. Go ahead. Girl who didn't want to go second. You can make fun of mine. Lazy. You completely derailed me. Alright, go ahead. So Sheila was going to go stay at her friend's house. John and his friend, 17-year-old Dana Wingate, were going to Quincy that night and then coming back to hang out in John's bedroom, which was in the basement. You said 7 or 17? 17. Okay. Uh, and Tina was over at Cabin 27 and watching television that came home around 10 p.m. or so. Now, when they say cabin, is that just a different word for apartment? No, they're actual cabins. But, I mean, are they like... Cabins you live in for extended periods of time rather than yes yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah you don't own them yeah or rent to own okay so the next morning Sheila comes back around seven forty five opens the door smells something terrible and then discovered the bodies of her brother who appeared to be bound and he was lying on his back in the living room floor there was blood caked all over him and around him uh. Next to John was a boy bound and lying face down as well. She didn't know who it was at the time. And it appeared that John and the boy were tied together at the feet. Which is horrifying enough. Uh, and she saw another body that was covered by a yellow blanket that was covered in blood. At this point, she, of course, ran absolutely screaming to another cabin trying to find help. So the initial investigation was handled by the Plumas County Sheriff's Office, and apparently the investigation was, quote-unquote, riddled with errors and oversights. Mm. Just like every other they, they licked the bodies <laughs> to see if they, they came in, they licked the bodies, yeah, they were farting all around, they were kicking the bodies to make sure they were you actually wake? dead. <laughs> they were just touching stuff. Yeah. Like, ooh, what's this? I'm Is not going to wear gloves. So open the, and shut case, Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> open and shut case. It was a badger. <laughs> Are there badgers in Northern Carol- California? I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere, right? It's badger country. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. definitely badger country. Puff, puff. Anyway. So they never secured the crime scene properly. And it took them a while to even realize that Tina was missing, which is... Yeah, a bit of an oversight. Yeah, bit of an oversight. Um, and Justin Eason tried to tell them that Tina was missing, and they were just like, ah, no, you're fine. And it wasn't until hours later that they actually realized she was missing. It took a few hours for them to be like, oh, wait, this girl that this small boy is telling us about is actually m- missing. So what actually they found at the scene, uh, they found two kitchen knives, which had been used with such force that one of them was actually bent in the knife part. Oh. They found a hammer and a pellet gun, 
and a pellet on the living room floor, which led them to believe that it was used in the attack. Probably, mm-hmm. probably a good uh, indication. Were there good pellets insight. in the kids? Uh, they didn't really go into the what I. They didn't really go too far into autopsies. Okay. I did get there's some stuff about here how they like they actually died, but. Well, I just would maybe uh, maybe the kids used the pellet gun to defend themselves. What's believed it was used for torture. Okay. Um, they were shooting with pellets. Yeah. yeah. So, each victim was bound with medical tape and electrical appliance wires, which were stolen from the home. Okay. But there was no medical tape in the home prior, so whoever came and did this brought the medical tape with them. So it was. It happened to be Sue underneath the yellow blanket. The other boy happened to be Dana and she was wearing a robe and her underwear had been removed and then forced into her mouth oh. along with a bottle of the medical tape. And how old was she? She was 32. Is that what I said? Sue? 36. Sue was 36. Yeah. So they killed a 17-year-old boy. They killed a 17-year-old boy, a 15-year-old boy, and a 12-year-old girl was missing. And Sue was their mom? Sue was the mother. Okay. That's bad. <laughs> That's not good. Um, Sue and John had been beaten with a claw hammer as well. Both had been stabbed multiple times in their bodies and throat. And Dana Wingate was also beaten, but with a different hammer. And he had been strangled to death. So there's a ton of blood all over the living room and on Tina's bed, which led them to believe that she was kidnapped for rape. Um, there was some evidence found, they found a bloody uh, footprint, and they found knife wall uh, knife marks in some of the walls in the, in the cabin. The killers had shoes. They had shoes, and they were using these knives yeah. that happened to be next to the bodies, and they're all covered in blood. This must be a connection. Yeah. So, the three younger boys who were sleeping at the time, Ricky, Greg, and their friend Justin, were never touched. Hmm. So there were three survivors out of all this. And now, were they locked in their room or did they just never It wasn't locked, they were just in the room. And apparently none of them woke up either, uh, which seemed a bit odd because a woman and her boyfriend in the cabin next door around 1.30 a.m. heard muffled screams. And then they just, they kind of, it says they looked around, but I, I kind of feel it was like they got up and were like, hmm, screaming, nah, fuck that, yeah. and went back to bed. But it's a little strange that next door they heard all these screamings and these adults woke up and heard all this and yeah, but the kids adult, in the next room. As an adult, you, you barely sleep because the weight of the world's on your shoulders constantly crushing you down into a lifeless speck. And so, like, you know, any disturbance outside and you, you're... You know, you wake up, whereas as a kid you sleep the sleep of an innocent babe. Also, though, that they could have woken up, and then it was just so traumatic that they blocked it out. Dude, I've, listen, I found entire websites literally just dedicated to a supposed conspiracy theory that's behind this. Okay. That they We'll get there. Okay. Don't mean me. Sanctos. Ah. You want to do your your little, there you go now. This is all the omen. All of the kids were named Damien. 
and right before everyone was murdered, they all said, this is for you, bud. So the Plumas, 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 County Sheriff Office questioned pretty much anyone they could. And um, they also interviewed Sharp's neighbor, Justin Ace, and stepfather, Martin Smart. So at this, Smart, at this point, uh, he became the lead suspect. Now, according to him, the night of the murders... I'd only raped a different couple, you see. <laughs> him and his friend, uh, very interesting name, by the way, Severin John Bo... Boobity? Balbity? Too many names. Balbity, yeah. But his first name is Severin. That's some Harry Potter shit right there. Is it Severin or Severian? Could be Severian. Because that's the name of the protagonist of the Book of the New Sun books. Look, I don't pretend to be a linguist or a No, no, it's just really cool. Well, yeah, outside for all the innocent people who got murdered. Well, no, but the name is cool. That's true. But they just called him Bo, essentially, so that's really what I'm going to refer to him as for the rest of this. Hey, Bo, 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 Bo. So he claimed that him and Bo met a few weeks earlier at a Veterans Administration Hospital where they're both receiving treatment for PTSD. They were both in the Vietnam War together. So early in the evening on uh, April 11th, his wife Marilyn and Bo decided to go to Backdoor Bar for a few drinks, which... Sounds slutty. It sounds like a gay bar, it does. but turns out not a gay bar. Mm-hmm. Did so research, you went out there and presented. Yeah, nobody, nobody took a bite. Nothing. And I've got a good looking bottom. Yeah, you got a good looking. I got a good looking yeah. bottom. It's like a trunk on a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holds a lot. Yeah, holds a lot. Holds a lot. Can carry a lot. Spacious. I clean it profusely. Yeah. I've got a tube in there right now, just cleaning stuff yeah. out. Douche. Douche. <laughs> bottle good douche. So they Smart claims that him, his wife, and Bo went over to Sue's house to be like, "Hey, come drink it with us or whatever." God. And she was like, "No, oh, fuck you! Yeah, I don't want to do that." Come so on, we're going down to the backdoor bar. We're gonna have a couple of drinks with some papa's kids. It's gonna be door. so good. I mean, we live in California. We can smoke weed. Uh-huh. And Sue's like, "I have like nine kids here. Can you yeah. just please leave?" They were like, all right, wait. Well, you know, you know Keep my kid. Is. I'm going to go get fucking hammered. Why are they talking like they're in Brooklyn? Right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're from Brooklyn. Yeah, Bo's short for Brooklyn. Yeah. No. Well, it could it, have been. It is. How do you know? How many people named Bo do you know? Yeah. Bo, Bo, Brooklyn. That's what they call me. Please continue. Forget about it. Oh, what? Now you don't want to derail me? Anyway, so... <laughs> smart... T- Angrily complained to the manager about the music playing, which I can only imagine was something awesome. Who who, who was playing? So you're telling me? <clears throat> now we're going to New York Jew here. I don't know. <laughs> so, but why was Smart complaining? Wasn't he drinking? Well, he actually works at this bar too. He was complaining about the music mm-hmm. at the bar. Yeah, at the back door bar where he he also worked. At Sweet dreams bar. are made of you. <laughs> That's just like they're banging that at the bar. It probably it was, was a gay bar. He didn't like it because he wasn't gay. Or he was probably closeted. I mean, he works there, so I imagine that yeah. he'd know if it was a gay mm-hmm. bar. Well, I don't trust anybody named Smart. you got to put it in your name. Your house all right, first of all, say his name right. It's Smart. 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 After they left, his wife Marilyn watched TV and then went to bed. Yeah, likely story. And then Smart was still so angry about this music and called the manager to complain again. And then he and Bo went back to the bar for more drinks. So 
this man's just had a eventful night of complaining and drinking. Mm-hmm. But he, he's complaining about the bar he keeps going to. Exactly, and he works at. If you can't beat him, join him, I suppose. Yeah. So forget <laughs> about it. Uh, they the county sheriff contacted the Department of Justice in Sacramento and two D- DOJs. Don't know what that is. Someone help me out here. Department of Justice. Two Department of Justices investigators, uh, Harry Bradley and P.A. Krim, which also sounds like a Harry <laughs> Potter name. Lord Krim, your gruel, your, your potion is ready. We will solve this case. Yeah, so the Krim brothers. It's Harry Potter. <laughs> it was the Potter. <laughs> uh, they also interviewed uh, Martin and Marilyn Smartita and Bo. And during the interview... Story checks out. That music is loud. <laughs> the music sucks. <laughs> yeah. They just keep playing the, the same Eurythmics. Beach Boys song over and over yeah, again. It's, the Eurythmics. it's only the Eurythmics discography at the back door. They just keep playing Keith Urban over and over again. Cool. Yeah. Who was spotted in Medford today. Side note. Anyway. He's got a show coming. But that's not Carl him. Urban, right? That's not Joe Keith Urban. No. Keith Urban. He's, a, he's married to um, uh, Nicole Kidman. No. That's not true. It's not Is it? She's the one Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Faith Hill and Tim McGraw. Those are totally different people. Yeah, also country music stars. Uh, Nicole Kidman's an actress. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot! Oh my god. We need to get more than two sentences before there are interruptions. I'm trying. Uh, I think we should interrupt after every paragraph instead of every sentence. I can't tell when it's all highlighted (laughs) where I'm supposed to come in at. Fucking hate you both. (laughs) Quit this podcast. You said that so many times, and you're back like a slut from war. You guys keep me in a cage. Yeah. Alexa keeps poking me with sticks Just with her tits. Oh! Anyway, don't yell at me. Yeah, don't yell at him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't even follow the story because it's getting interrupted every two cents. The Department of Justice investigators were interviewing Marilyn, and she told the investigators that her and Martin had separated the day after the murders and said that he was short-tempered, violent, and abusive. So here's your first indicator of why some of this has happened. Yeah, but that's rural NorCal. Come on. I mean, that's everywhere in America. Yeah. You know, it's a real problem that we need to talk about. Not but not until after this paragraph, yeah. apparently. That was actually the end of the paragraph. You guys have anything to say? I'm good. Okay. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> kill myself. So after they did all this interviewing, uh-huh, uh-huh. Martin took a polygraph and he passed. Uh, and Do you then, like tricks? Are tricks for kids? He's just sweating. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know. Oh jeez. Why, why don't they look like fruit anymore? Why are they just ovals now? I don't understand. Are tricks for kids? Why can't I have them? So Marilyn was interviewed again later and told them that Martin Smart had hated John Sharp. He was a boy. I don't know why he hated him so much. But... <laughs> She admitted it that early in the morning of April 12th, she saw Martin burning something in their fireplace. So the day after the murder, yeah. she saw Smart Tip burning something. That's pretty smart of him. So during this investigation, Jason Easton smarts... <laughs> I didn't even catch that at first. Anyway, Smart's stepson, Jason, uh, Justin Easton, um, claimed that he had this like dreamlike vision during the night of the murder, and they didn't really take it seriously because he was a he was a kid. Yeah. But um, 
he told them that he had this dream where he was on a boat and saw John Sharp and Dana fighting with a man with long black hair, a mustache, and black glasses who was carrying a hammer. Uh, the man threw John overboard and then Dana, who he said was very drunk. So, who knows how true any of that is. I've never had a waking nightmare like that. But, he also described seeing a body that was covered in a sheet laying on the bow of the ship. He looked under the sheet and saw Sue and she had a knife cut in her chest, which she did when they found the body, which could be complete coincidence. Could be a sign. And then there was another time when he was polygraphed and told the polygrapher that he had actually seen the murders and that a noise had woke him up and he looked through the door into the living room and he saw Sue Sharp lying on the sofa and there were two men standing in the middle of the room. No one really took him seriously, though. So, um, they worked with Justin to come up with sketches of, of them. They just look like sketches. It doesn't really look like them. The, the Justin, or not Justin, it doesn't really look like Smart and Bo all that much, but he was a small child who was yeah. at the scene of murder. And they probably had a shitty sketcher. Yeah. So, June 4th, 1981, uh, Bradley and Krim, the uh, Department of Justice in investigators, interviewed a man who lived in Cabin 28, but moved two weeks prior to the murders. He did not know the Sharps, but three weeks before the murders, he did hear Sue Sharp and an unknown man yelling at each other. They continued to fight for roughly 30 minutes, screaming obscenities, for instance, uh, lit liquor, Perhaps um, silly Pollock. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't there. This is where like a lot of like the conspiracy theory crumb stuff. Crumb possibly a crumb bun. <laughs> it's definitely a crumb bun. You cranberry eating dinosaur boy. <laughs> That's the sound of a dinosaur boy eating cranberries. I should be a foley artist. <laughs> Beautiful editing, Dick Fetty. So details emerged about the interviews that the Department of Justice did and what they conducted with uh, Smarts and Bo. <coughs> and they were accused of like sloppy work and failing to fact check and stuff like that. So during the interview, Bo had claimed that he worked in Chicago as a police officer for 18 years. Mm -hmm. And then retired after being shot in the line of duty. If they had realized his date of birth, they would have realized that that's not possible. He had also lied about how long, Bo this is, how long he had lived in Kitty by adding two weeks to the time. Kitty, sorry. I typed that wrong. And um, he said that Marilyn was his niece, which was also a lie. Uh, he claimed that Marilyn was awake when he and Smart came home after their second trip to the bar. And they, which he didn't say prior, which earlier they said that he, she'd been asleep when they left. Mm. <coughs> Bo said he had never met Sue Sharp, which contradicted what Marilyn had said about the three of them stopping at the Sharp house prior to them going out and drinking. And Smart talked to investigators about the hammers that um, had been used in the murder, 
saying that he had recently lost his hammer. How fucking convenient. <laughs> right? So did they do these interviews at the bar? <laughs> I mean, judging by Sweet how many times they hit I've made a What? <laughs> you said you lost the hammer? <laughs> I totally murdered those people. You lost the hammer? What? Nailed it. Well, that's open and shut, Johnson. Yeah, that man lost the hammer. He couldn't hurt anybody with the hammer. He didn't have one. He lost it. Yeah. Well, they got the bartender another double. They definitely no. nailed something, and it was human skulls. Uh, Too much? No. Okay, good. Um, so, when they interviewed Smart, he said that his stepson, Justin, might have seen something on the night of the murders, adding, without me detecting him, which. Could have been a slip up, but could have been him accidentally saying that he murdered those yeah. people. And there, no follow, no follow up interviews were done with Smart or Bode after that. Mm-hmm. So after being cleared of being suspects, Martin Smart moved to Klamath, California, and Bo returned to Chicago and scammed several police officers out of money. And then was caught almost in prison time, but died before he got the chance to go to prison. Pretty smart of him. Klamath mm-hmm. is also in Fallout 2. Well, Fallout 2 took place in California. Accurate. Yeah. You're, you're up on the fucking Fallout facts today. Well, I love Fallout 2. That is a fantastic game, unfinished though it may be. Yeah. So I bet you guys are sitting there wondering, well, what happened to Tina? Well, I'm going to fucking tell you, so lay off. Yeah, buckle your belts. All right. And hold your horses. So in 1984, a part of a cranium piece of skull was found 30 miles from Ketty. I know what a cranium is, Buster. Well, maybe someone who's listening doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, what what you got to say? I'm going to bust your cranium with a hammer. It's a fun game for kids. Edit that part out so when I finally do it, they can't link me to it. Listen to this if I die. <laughs> Please listen to this if I die. It's just a fucking reel to reel, and the cops are like, what is this bullshit? Just throw it out. This guy listens to some weird music. <laughs> the killer is. <laughs> Flip the tape. So later, the cops got an anonymous call. Uh. This was to Butte County Sheriff's Office. The skull belonged to Tina Sharp. And another search of the area was made, and they found a jawbone and several other bones. And testing did confirm that it was Tina Sharp. Oh. What kind of testing? Uh, DNA, probably. Licking. This all is based mm-hmm. on licking. Licking, sniffing. Did they just um, they put up a picture of Tina Sharp and like in Twin Peaks fashion? They just threw rocks at it, and if they hit it, then the bones were her. No, common misconception about this case. They actually uh, took the smallest bones and. Um, Urethrally sound. Oh, no. Yeah, it feels like Tina. Too far. Oh, that's a bridge too far, urethral sounding. Hey, listen, I'm not here to kink shame the Butte County Sheriff's Department, okay? If you get your jollies by sticking things in your pee hole, more power to you, Buster. So, the Butte County Sheriff's Department gave the original and the backup copy of the recording from an anonymous caller to someone in law enforcement and they both just disappeared. Can you see where this conspiracy theory is coming in? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like somebody didn't put them in the right place. Yeah. Some well, there's file clerk. There's this whole um, conspiracy about how 
either Bo really was in in the police force, or they thought he was, or he was in like the mafia, and they were like, "Get out of here! Like, get out of town!" Yeah. So they they both did essentially letting them go. Was um, in the uh, victims, the the witness said uh, protection program. Yes. And then he committed a crime, but they had to protect him because the the crime of killing a couple children was less than the. Crime, the, the crime man. He was gonna put away, put him on, put him on ice. Go on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's an old case, and they could have just accidentally gotten some of the shit thrown out. Things happen. Yeah. You know, it could be shoddy police work. It could just be that inept. Yeah. Inept I don't know. People. Please don't arrest me. Um. So in the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. Is that eighteen Thank years you. later? Uh, this case is old enough to get a license. Oh yes. I'm going to kill myself. Why? Go on, Ben. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Martin Smart's to die. Oh. But not, not long after his death, uh, his therapist told the Plumas County Sheriff's Office that Smart had actually confessed that he killed Sue Sharp because she was trying to convince Marilyn to leave him because she was in an abusive relationship. That's why she wasn't living with her husband. She left him and took the kids. Well, so she was trying to tell... little kids and tie them up and... I guess Bo was the bad guy? Maybe. They were both there. Have they made a movie out of this? No. And here's the funny thing. If you look it up on Wikipedia, it's very bare bones. Yeah. yeah. Like, none of this information is there. Hmm. It's, it's a very, very short article on Wikipedia. Um, and to add to your question... So, what he had said was that he killed Sue, didn't say he killed any of the others, and told her that it was very easy to pass the polygraph. Um, and that he was actually friends with Doug Thomas, uh, who worked at Plumas County Sheriff's. Just a word about the polygraph. So, I will say that in my own profession, polygraphs are not useful for anything. And even in cases where you're not talking about proof beyond a reasonable doubt, people don't accept them. You can't even prove things on a preponderance of the evidence. They're basically unacceptable evidence now. They're just not helpful. I've tried to use them in cases where there were allegations of sexual misconduct by a client and in a uh, child abuse case and he passed multiple polygraphs and they were like, yeah, we don't care. This doesn't mean anything to us. Wait, you've gotten people polygraphed? No, they did it independently before they came to see me, which was a huge waste of their money because they couldn't uh-huh. pay anymore. Yeah, I had a friend that was on probation in California and the condition of his probation was that he passed a polygraph every month and it was fucking ridiculous because if he failed, he went back to jail. And um, well, what kind of questions were they asking? Uh, just art tricks for kids. Yeah, and it, it, it was interesting because did you breathe? Did you blink three hundred and forty-two times he, today? If he failed more than three, he had to go back to jail. And he was completely honest and like failed one time, and he had to teach himself how to control like his breathing and shit like that. So he would, but it's insane that that was a condition of probation in fucking Orange County. Yeah, but also California is the state that instituted the three strike. Law. Yeah, their laws for criminality are insane. Ridiculous. White people run amok. Maybe that's why they never solved this murder. Yeah, maybe. 
So, final bit of information. Uh, March 24th, 2016, very recent, a hammer was found that matched the description of the hammer that uh, Mr. Smartita had claimed to be missing for two days after the murder. And according to the Plumas County Sheriff, Hagwood, once again, very Harry Potter name, mm. don't know what's going on over there. Potter country. The location it was found in, this is a direct quote, the location it was found in, it would have been intentionally put there. It would have not have been accidentally misplaced. Yeah, so anywhere other than your tool bench, I guess I would say, was... Uh, so this is... So... More or less solved. Well, no, because they're both dead. And there isn't an insane... Like, there's no real physical evidence. Yeah, yeah, it's all circumstantial. So while the evidence does look good from what we've just discussed, I don't know. I haven't read the case files. I haven't... I saw yeah, I mean, some of the pictures, but like you can't really know, and they're both dead, so it will never be put forth as being case closed. Well, and it doesn't sound like there's an overwhelming heap of evidence as far as the overall character and and whatnot of the two guys, the two prime suspects. Like I would want to know a lot more from a lot more people if we were going to go on conjecture and happenstance and, and all the rest, because. Again, like, their story doesn't add up, but that doesn't necessarily mean much. You know what I mean? People are fucking stupid. People who live in cabins out in California, I don't know. Right. I don't think and this guy was any too smart. Them moving away isn't... <laughs> nice. Thanks. Them moving away isn't necessarily indicative of their... Guilt. Guilt, because... Why wouldn't you If, if the cops are looking at them and then clear them, but everyone else thinks that they did it, they're not going to want to be around that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I got that. So, what about what about this uh, omen angle? You said there was there was a conspiracy about the kids being little Satanists or something. Well, yeah, they're the ones who cast spells and had everyone murdered. Ah, very good. Thank you. Are you guys ready for mine? Yeah, we've been waiting, Miss. All right, Alberta Jones. Who? Have we heard of her? Is she related to Rashida Jones or Quincy Jones? not related to either. She's not related to Quincy Jones. No. It was just a happenstance that we mentioned Quincy Jones earlier. Yeah. Whoa! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Conspiracy so, one. So, on the night of August 5th, 1965. Ooh, going back. That's 20 years ago. Witnesses saw two black males drag a screaming woman into the backseat of a car. What kind of car? Uh, it says it later on in here. Fair enough. I think it was a Plymouth. It was kind of safe. Of course Plymouth. it was a fucking yeah. Plymouth. I mean, if you're going to drag a woman into a car, it's going to be a Plymouth. They're bo- roomy. Yeah, that's yeah, my No, point. absolutely, I agree. Her body, with trauma to the head and face, was retrieved from the river near an amusement park in the West End. This is in Western Louisville, Park. Kentucky. Ooh. I'm really torn because amusement parks, fun. Yeah, dead bodies. Dead bodies. Not so fun. Well, Less fun if people are watching. Yeah. So a large quantity of blood stained the backseat of the car, which was discovered nearby. Her name... Blueville, by the way. Blueville. Alberta Jones. She was beaten to unconscious and thrown in the Ohio River to drown at age 34. Bummer. So when I was picking a case, I wanted to do a woman of color because I feel like we so often highlight cute white women. So I was, like, Googling shit, and I can't believe I didn't know about this woman um, because she was, like, a pioneer for her time. Um, so I got this information from a New York Times article, a little bit from Wikipedia, and from a Washington Post article. 
Um, recent ones or recent? Yeah. Um, this was in yeah 2017. These articles came out. So um, the information that we know in this case is primarily attributed to Les Remington. He is a professor of law and political science. Um, Where? I think, she, I'm sorry, she, not he, um, at University of Louisville, I believe. So she basically started getting into this case again and helped develop some new leads. So she poured over 16 pages of police files, um, and she laid out what she believed were things to be, that were overlooked by the none other bro. than the police. Which people who aren't in law enforcement are one to do. Yeah, but it, it, I do have to say, while I'm sure that the police make mistakes, it probably feels a lot like when you're a cop and people say, I would have done this differently and blah, blah, blah. It's how it feels for me as a lawyer when people say, oh, I could have done that. Yeah. And you should have done blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. really? But did you go to uh, law school for three years yeah. and college before, before that? And you didn't when you didn't pass the bar? So maybe you'd go fuck yourself? Stick a fucking have a child's bone in your piss hole? A cop. Ever. So she wrote a long letter uh, to the Louisville police in 2016 who reopened the case and then the Justice Department Civil Rights Division also stepped in. So to paint a picture, Alberta Jones um, is a civil rights pioneer and not a lot of people know about her. She was Louisville's first female black prosecutor wow. in fucking 1965. Um, and <laughs> she was a lawyer before that and negotiated the first fight contract for Muhammad Ali, who lived like two houses down from her. And that was before well, he was all like shaky, right? Being a prosecutor is a only lawyers can be that. No, I know. I know she She was a private attorney. She was a private attorney before that is what I meant to say. Um and she registered thousands of African American voters in the nineteen sixties, paved the way for a ban on racial discrimination. In local theaters and she got a lot of enemies in 1965. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, and then Professor Remington says, "I believe her death was directly related to the work she was doing," which makes sense. This is Louisville, 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 in Kentucky in 1965. You guys say it like you barely have a tongue and no teeth. Perfect. You nailed it. Yeah, channel your inner um, so she was a high-ranking black female prosecutor in fucking Kentucky. Yeah. Um, it's not Alabama, but it ain't it ain't New Hampshire yeah. either. So she never married. She survived <laughs> by New Hampshire her... better. Yeah. Well, New Hampshire's north of the Mason-Dixon. It's a oh, yeah, bastion of progressive, but also hillbillies. Uh huh. I don't know that it was the best one. I probably should have said like Man- Manhattan, or San Francisco, but also San Francisco. New is very liberal. Yes, yeah, somewhat, but it's but also in the whole 60s? bunch of. Well, and it's got a ton of like libertarian nutso yeah, guns that. and believe that. There are a wild bunch guns of guns Okay. Yeah. She's survived by her sister Flora Shanklin, uh, who's 81 and still alive. Nice. Um, she believes that early investigators ignored clues, buried evidence um, because of their indifference to the murder of a prominent like, black woman. Yeah. Um, or she believes that the killers were protected by the authorities. Um, so she returned back to Louisville after graduating from Howard University Law School in 1959. It's a famous black college. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, deeply segregated. They couldn't go to movie theaters, restaurants, in the city's commercial heart. They couldn't try on clothes and department stores. Um, so she established the Independent Voters Association. Um, she registered 6,000 African Americans to vote. 
Um, she organized them to vote as a block, and um, African Americans replaced the mayor of Louisville and the city's like council in 1961. So she basically got the people to like rise up and like get people that represented them. Um, and then two years later, the officials that replaced them outlawed racial discrimination in businesses, um, which was the first public accommodation ordinance of its kind in the South. So she's doing big shit. Yeah. Um, and this is a quote from her um, that she told the Courier Journal in March 1969. We taught the Negroes how to use that voting machine. Wait, 1969. She's dead. By Sorry, 19 in March 1965. Oh. Right, four months before she dies. When I got back home, a lot of people said, you've got two strikes against you. You're a woman and you're a Negro, she told the newspaper. And then she said, yeah, but I've still got one strike left, and I've seen a lot of people get home runs when all they got is one strike. Home runs when all they got is one strike. She was like a badass bitch. Yeah. So um, she lived in Louisville's majority black West End with her mother and her sister, just a couple blocks from Cassius Clay, became Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. I ended up reading a lot on Muhammad Ali after this, which was interesting. But, um. Muhammad. Muhammad, sorry. Muhammad. Muhammad. Yeah, So, in 1960, he hired her to represent him when he turned professional. She negotiated a contract with 11 white millionaires. Um, That's a lot of white millionaires. Yeah, and she was protective of her clients. She insisted that 15% of his winnings be held in a trust until he turned 35. Jones served as a co-trustee on that. So on the night of the murder, witnesses said that the car was seen... um, Okay, so it was a Ford Farley. Don't know what that is. Wasn't a Plymouth. Sounds gross. I'm going to find out. Witnesses say... Farlane? Yeah, like... I'm sorry, Fairlane. Literally fair and lame. Witnesses say that the car was seen, uh, so a similar car was seen that night. Jones had rented this car. Her car was in the shop, so this is a rental car. And police have never really been able to come up with a good theory. Um, her sister believes that whoever murdered her was paid by others. I don't know who she says, but she stepped on some toes. So this case has been reopened twice, but a dominant theory has never come up. Um, one theory pursued in the 1960s was that she was killed by the Nation of Islam because of course, its yeah. leader. Let's blame more yeah, black right? people. Elijah Muhammad? Muhammad? Uh, I don't know. I'm saying Muhammad. Um, coveted 15% of Ali's earnings that Mrs. Joan managed. Um, so then I did some like research into the Nation of Islam. That, that's her. what I'm saying. It really doesn't make any sense. So, a black detective working the case at the time, who was interviewed by police in the 1980s, said that when he was pursuing this angle, his wife received a death threat. So, I don't know. I don't know. There Who's was killed this black lady? It's gotta be more black people. Well, Back to work, 1960s police officers. When they say nah. <laughs> in the very beginning that witnesses saw two black males dragging a screen, like, I don't... It sounds like something a white person trying to cover up a crime would say. You think they were wearing blackface? Maybe. Well, I think that it wouldn't be. I mean, I think that there are career criminals who, regardless of their skin color, mm-hmm. would kill somebody regardless of mm-hmm. their skin color. I also think that it's yeah. If you're making a bunch of bullshit up to cover up a crime, yeah. you say yeah, two black guys did it, and then the whole nation recoils in horror. Yeah, and it could also be a complete coincidence that she is murdered and also did all these wonderful things. It could. Black it absolutely could. Um, Highly unlikely, but yeah. it could be in an era of like, 
Hoover and all all mm-hmm. it, this is cover up city. The sixties yeah. is nothing but conspiracy. And this is Kentucky. That's a name, that's a good name for an album. What? Cover up city. Cover I really city. like yeah. Cadaver Dogs way better. That's that's the band. Right. Yeah. Okay, so there was tons of physical yeah. evidence from that's the car that was found. Um, so in the letter that the Louisville Metro police got from Professor Remington, she said a tremendous amount of evidence was collected in the case. Fingerprints, vacuum samples from every inch of the car by the FBI, so the FBI got involved. Blood samples, her purse, and all of its contents, which were found three years later. Credit cards and checks still in it, hanging from a tree, like, near the crime scene. So... Just all these cases are just... No one's looking ten feet in front of them, are they? So, her dentures, cigarette butts from the car, her shoes, her clothes. Remington asked, the evidence is now missing, misplaced, lost, thrown away, destroyed. Where did it go? So, they... They got all that stuff, They and then they lost it all. So she also found major discrepancies in the police work. Like, the report said all the investigators who worked on the case were dead, and that wasn't true. There were a few that were still alive. So in 2008, a break finally came through. Oh. The FBI matched the fingerprint found inside Jones' rental car to a man who was 17 years old at the time of the murder. So a detective interviewed the man who was submitted to a polygraph test, which are always right. Yeah. He said the polygraph examination revealed that deception was indicated, <gasps> but the man was questioned regarding the circumstances surrounding the murder of Alberta Jones. So he admitted in 2008 to the Texas that he used to hang out in a park with friends one block from where the witnesses saw the woman dragged into the back of the car, but with no more evidence, the prosecutor at the time declined to bring charges and declared the case closed for the foreseeable future. Well, um, it's pretty hard to to solve a case 40 years later unless somebody confesses or you have DNA evidence. So yeah. we found your and fingerprints and uh, you, you didn't also, pass this truth test. Well, like, what do you have to say? Well, maybe or like whatever. I'm maybe kind of sort of like hung out near there. And you know how fingerprints are. They're always walking all over the place. Yeah. You know, you never really know. But I, I also up. think that it's, it's, you figure what were the questions they were asked? I mean, I think they could have elicited that information in such a way that by the time you got there, it wasn't necessarily incriminating in and of itself. And Chris, I mean, yeah, like that means nothing, basically, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So the kid was in the car, that doesn't well, prove anything. So in an interview before this, um, like a week before this article was written, the man that was linked to the car, the 17-year-old at the time, who was 70, said that he didn't know anything about the murder. He said, I quote, I didn't touch that lady. I don't know who did. That's all I can say. His explanation for the fingerprint was that he used to hitchhike as a teenager and must have been picked up by someone who would rent, and remember, this is a rented car. Um, Although I think you'd give it a swab down once in a while yeah. and rent it back out. It's the 60s. Yeah, it's the 60s. Yeah. Spray some whatever their Times version of Febreze was in there and get that Just fucker blow back out. Cigarette smoke on yeah. everything. Yeah. Nice. Sprinkle a little cocaine in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. So in so the case is still unsolved, but in 2017 they hung a banner on of her on the bank building on Muhammad Ali Boulevard. Uh, investigators wanted to honor her, but also hope this might jog someone's memory or conscience. Remington is quoted saying she spent her whole life fighting for others. It's time someone started fighting for her. Yeah, so. it's a little tough though because it's quite a bit later. Oh yeah, I wonder how often like appealing to someone's conscience. For committing a murder actually brings the murderer yeah, out. like never. Never. We keep trying, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's that, that that human condition of wanting to believe the best in people and people are scum. Yeah. But 53 years later, unlikely that it's going to be solved. I mean, I would be willing to hedge my bets and say, 
white people did it. Yeah. Bad white people. I would agree. But I think it's important that we say her name, man. That's, like, awesome. I didn't know anything about her. She did all this amazing shit. Yeah, no, that that was really cool and insightful, and uh, it was nice to have something different than your typical Mm -hmm. 18-year-old white girl. Mm -hmm. I agree. Gentlemen prefer, but freedom fighters... Listen, I'm, I'm all about an 18-year-old white girl or a help 32-year-old freedom fighter black woman, you know, whatever. You, you just want to see people murder. Rainbow. No, I just want to see boobies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about boobies. We switched gears. Oh, yeah. sorry, guys. What are we talking about again? Unsolved boobies. All right. So, your best buy. So, what is that? This week, um, since I've been very busy, I didn't have time to prepare a best buy, so... You're out of the I, podcast. Get I, out! Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm public sorry. Where's public domain yet? Huh? It's still in the works. Oh, yeah. Is it still I in the works? I didn't start something I couldn't finish. Uh-huh. What but it, I had I had this this vision today. Uh, so my wife and I, when we evolve together, occasionally oh God. we will watch. Is this going to be funny or am I just? No, it's going to be funny. Yeah, because the disco box is hilarious. <laughs> Five, five, bam! Can't reach him. Fat now. Um, So we call (laughs) my wife and I will um, rent or watch a movie that is. Uh, No, don't cry. That's fine. (laughs) That is um, erotic in nature. No, that we think could be good, but deep down I know it's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. So this is Beardo Ben's. Bad buys. Oh. So today I watched a movie mainly because it had Martin uh, Freeman in it, the guy who played uh, Bilbo in the Hobbit trilogy. Is that his name? I, I don't Martin watch. Freeman. I, I know. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I think you're right. Martin. Hobo. Free. Yep. Yep. Martin Freeman. So it was an English horror movie called Ghost Stories. Uh, it came out last year. Original title. Right? Do they come up with it? I mean, we've watched plenty of movies with terrible titles that have been uh, awesome. Night Train Murders is a pretty cool title. Or The Last Stop on the Night Train. Anyway. Torso. Torso. Inside the mind of the psychosexual killer. Torso. Th- those are good names, but I mean, well, like... Torso is a stupid name, but it no, works it's not. Movie. Cool name. It's a great name. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think Bodies Bear Trees is cool. Carnal Violence is way cooler. I mean, you're not wrong. But this movie starred Martin Freeman, so I was like, can't be that bad, right? came out last year. He's been in a lot of good stuff. He was in Sherlock. He was in Sherlock. He was in a couple Marvel movies. He was in Sherlock. He was in the Hobbit movies. He was in Sherlock. That's with uh, Splendid Dick Lumberback, right? Yes. Uh, Oh, and I want to let everyone know that I'm going, anytime I do one of these segments, I'm going to completely ruin the fucking movie for you. Okay. Um, so you never have to watch it. So you never have to watch it. So it's it's based on this guy who is a debunker. He debunks psychic phenomena. He debunker. He debunker. <laughs> and they talked about Adolf Hitler when they found him in his bunker. Yeah. He debunker. He debunker. Um, and he gets rid of he disproves things of that ilk. Mm-hmm. Of what ilk? Uh, the supernatural in any way. Oh, ghost. Okay. Yeah, because the movie. Oh. Yeah, so the movie starts out with him um, at a. He does a TV show called like Psychic Frauds or something, and he's like backstage at a psychic show where. Um, at he's, a church. No, no, it's not at a church. <laughs> to get, but it was religious joke. Yeah, no. 
is fine. I will make it through this eventually. Thank you. <laughs> so, you love me. I do love you so much. That's why I'm grabbing my nips. Um, so he essentially puts this guy on blast, tells everyone he's listening to a radio with his earpiece, which he is, and he like it kind of starts out like he's making a documentary about his life and the things that he does, and he mentions this guy who used to be a debunker but disappeared, and then all of a sudden the guy sends him a tape and he goes over there, and you're like, that's definitely Martin Freeman in old person makeup. We'll get back to that. So the first three sections of the movie aren't terrible. So this old debugger's like, go out and check these cases and prove me wrong. And the guy's like, I'm fat, okay. Because <coughs> he's fat and old and debunks things. Yeah. So he goes out and each of the cases, it almost seemed like they were directed by different people, but they were interesting. There was one about a guy who was a night watchman who was working at an abandoned mental asylum as a night watchman, it's also creepy stuff. Who would hire you to do that? Because because pe- people like me like to break into those places and get themselves fucking hurt, and try to sue whoever owns the property. Because people usually own those properties. Yeah. That's why the one in North Jersey got torn down because they didn't want to pay anybody anymore to fucking yeah. watch it. Right, that's what you do with those places. So, the second ones all the second ones where it started to get ridiculous. Because it's about this like really twitchy boy, and it's like kind of weird and off-putting when he meets him. It's, it's kind of like creepy. Coming him's rubber Johnny. No. No. Okay. No. Um, did you watch End of the Fucking World? No. Okay. Well, it's the, it's the boy from End of the Fucking World, and he had this encounter with a demon, who is just a man with a goat head who he hits with his car, right? And his car just shits out after he tries to drive away from it. The best part is he's sitting in the car, the back door opens, he goes, hello, and the car door shuts, and he's sitting there, and he starts to slowly open the door, and like, the demon hands come over the seat, and they're like, stay, and he's like, fuck that, and runs off, and then gets attacked by a tree, and at this point, this guy's like, these are all super easily debunked, you're stupid, these are stupid cases, you're just an old crazy man. So he goes to the final case, and there's Martin Freeman, and he's talking about how his wife got pregnant later in life. He also makes a funny Jew joke, and um, he goes, he goes, oh, your people are always obsessed with you with money, and and because the, the character's Jewish in it, and he's like, what do you mean your people? And Martin Freeman just keeps going. That's not very. That's just a stereotypical observation. Well, I'm Jewish, and I thought it was funny. You, you gonna you gonna you got something to say about? No. Okay. No. I won't say anything because I'm not allowed. Uh, anyway. So. Long story short, Martin Freeman has this experience with a poltergeist. His wife dies, and then after the at the end of the interview, he shoots himself in the head. Why? So, the debunker goes back to the older debunkers trailer and is like what are you doing this is all bullshit and all of a sudden he pulls off his face and it's Martin Freeman and you're like what the fuck is going on uh-huh. so then he cuts a fucking hole in the back of the trailer and there's a black door there and he's like let's go through the door and things just fucking fall apart right I see the look on your face right wow. Martin Freeman's character's having like this all this speech about 
how like everything you do is just based on you running from the fact that you think that there's fate and blah 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 and you're like what is this there's a flashback to where the debunker is a child and these two bullies are bullying him and then um, a, another child who's mentally handicapped shows up and they get him to go into this drainage Wait, thing I thought you were saying that the debunker was Martin Freeman no no Martin oh, Freeman. I thought it was like he was going and then he found his older version of himself. No, no, no. Okay, okay. No, no, no. This was just the, the old guy who was like, take a look at these cases and they ripped off his face and it turned out to be Martin Freeman. That's stupid. And yeah, and at this point you're like, okay. So he has this like flashback that he's walking through where um, you're... It, this this uh, mentally handicapped child dies in a train pipe and he didn't do anything about it. He just ran away because he was scared. And The next thing you know, the debunker's character is in a hospital bed in a waking coma. And you look around the room, the doctor who walks in, the doctor who training walks in, it's Martin Freeman and the little boy who hit the demon. And it's just all this guy picking up all this stuff as he's in a waking coma. I was so fucking mad that this whole build-up was like, oh, what a it twist! He's been in a coma the whole time! It's like the Wizard of Oz, except for... Non-entertaining. Yeah. And stupid. Yeah. Um, so don't watch that movie. If you see ghost stories and you even watch Bro, the trailer, your TV. and you're like, wow, this could be good. It's not. And if you think it's good, you're, you're stupid. An and that has been Beardo Ben's Bad Buys. Can I, can I, do, can I do a very uh, short... Quick thing before we end. Do you just want to talk about torso? No. Okay. But I do. But no. I just want to give a shout out. So I listened to this podcast on Thursday called Daughters of Chaos. It's not on iTunes or anything. I had to go on the website for Diabolic Magazine. It's a chick who's from Philly at one point, and then I guess a chick from the UK who do it. They, they discuss movies and a bunch of other stuff, but I listened to it for some Giallo things, but then I stayed for some... Uh, Zhulovsky, this Polish director who did Possession, mm-hmm. their 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 stuff about him, they're really good, and they're both like super well versed in horror in a way that makes me wildly envious. Like they know all the directors and all the actresses and all the names and all the stuff. They're like they're the people that write the essays and all the fancy Blu-rays and stuff we buy. Right. Some of these girls, you recognize both of their names. Anyways, check it out. Uh, I think it's DiabolicMagazine.com, but if you just Google Daughters of Chaos podcast. Really good stuff, really well done, and and you know if you're into film, definitely check it out. Cool. You got you got anything for public domainia? Yep. I guess that's right. a good place to end. All right, guys. Well, that's unsolved murders. May they forever remain unsolved. No, no, no. we want them. To <laughs> we be want solved. them to be solved. May they all be solved. Also, Ooh. later, nerds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and boobs. And boobs. And boobs. Later. Bye. Later.